Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Welcome again to Dirty Harry Minute. This is the world's and perhaps the universe's first podcast to analyse a 1971 Don Siegel-directed film, Dirty Harry, uh, and every minute of it. And uh, this episode, we are joined by... John! And welcoming back... Jordan! I just said my name. Jordan! Thank you for joining us again, Jordan, and and John. Have have you missed a minute at all yet, John? No, I've been on every minute's worth, you and... Tim have been absent from many. Oh. I've been absent Ouch. from all of them, but this one and some others. And some others. <laughs> and some others and other minutes. And uh, my name's Trent, by the way. Sorry, just in case you missed it. I was going to introduce it as John Laws, but I feared we might get an injunction against us. We don't have a golden microphone. No. Perhaps we'll have to get Alan Jones. Uh, <laughs> this Laws impersonation is not working. Cool. <laughs> anyway. What, what minute are we reviewing, we, Trent? We're reviewing, bleh, I can, we can't, can't do the English today. We are reviewing Minute 79. The minute begins with a black and white TV being turned off and ends with Harry saying to Chico on the roof hospital, been talking to Bresler about you being on permanent with me. Wow. What a minute this was. It was quite the minute. What do you think, Jordan? Um, I, so, I've spoken before on the last podcast that I saw this movie for the first time when I was quite young. This movie broke my, like, perception of reality. Because prior to this movie, I was used to the seeing... Cool. I was used to seeing movies with superheroes. And quite often, like, you know, I, I grew up with, like, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men and the Fantastic Four. And all of that was people, they just, they find someone that they think is guilty... Like mm. Spider-Man to just tie them up in a big web and be like, all right, for the cops, cool. <laughs> and then in this movie, they're like, you yeah, know, if you don't have evidence, they're not going to jail. And that immediately just made my brain go, oh, all those people Spider-Man caught it. Still like <laughs> none of them went to prison. <laughs> like either Spider-Man has to kill them or not at all. Those are his choices now. So when I watched this movie, I thought I was coming to the end of the film because I thought the captain was going to be like, you did, you did good work. And instead he was like, you prick. You didn't bloody get any evidence, you dumb idiot. And I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't know you had to do that in no. real life. Because I was, again, like I was very young. I watched this movie when I was like eight, maybe. So I didn't understand that laws works, let alone that, like, you know, just because you know someone is guilty doesn't mean you can prove it. And that that was important. Yeah. So yeah. I just went, oh, they caught the bad guy. Cool. And then the person who is like, you know, the policeman when I was a kid was like, yeah, look, we, we're not putting him in jail because... Like, you messed up. And I was like, oh. So, yeah, this movie, like, fractured every other movie I'd ever seen. (laughs) So, I mean, he's not slinging webs and maybe he's after hours. I don't know. But, you know, he's not leaving them hanging. Yeah, but I mean, coming off of the back of, like, I watched this movie with my dad who showed me a bunch of spaghetti westerns. And I got really into them. And he was like, oh, cool. Let me show you one of these movies. And again, in spaghetti westerns, there's not consequences. You find the bad guy. You know they're the bad guy. You shoot the bad Mm. guy in the face. In this... It's, it's just it's that, that concept of bringing in the reality of the law of being like, if you didn't get a warrant, you didn't get like, you know, the legal sort of repercussions that are going to happen then. 
So in this particular case, um, it's about whether Harry has been harassing Scorpio Trent. Why do you think they chose the chief? To, it's not really addressing down. The chief's not really angry at him. Is, do you think is the chief inviting Harry into the fold, saying, "Look, just in, tell me what's happening here. Are you on the edge now, or is the chief really supposed to be punishing him in this scene, Trent?" Or I, I think it's his duty because he's the one who's going to have to answer to uh, you know. His superiors, the mayor, and you know uh, any sort of higher government department. If there's you know an investigation, uh, it's it's his head that's going to be on the chopping block. So he's got to get all the facts. Yeah. Um. So with this minute, it does it. Back to an office. That lovely wood paneling again, <laughs> Jordan. We love the wood. We love the wood. That's a sentence that now people are going to have as a soundbite, and oh, it's going to go out of control. But um. As much as I love these movies, there's a major flaw that happens right in this scene. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is Dirty Harry is an idiot. What? Like, it's a massive pothole, but Dirty Harry apparently doesn't know how the law works. <laughs> like, where have you been? He finds out now that you needed to get a warrant to get... Like, he's like, what do you mean? I got the gun. That means the guy's going to jail. And they're like, no, there's this thing called the law. And he's like, what do you mean the law? Tell me about the law. And like, what are you talking about? You would have had to study that you're an inspector... Firstly, you had to go and learn about that. Then you had to be a rookie cop for like 10 years. Then you had to work with another inspector. And then you became an inspector. And then you've been Dirty Harry the inspector for what seems like forever in this movie. Like, he looks like he's got a reputation. Yeah. And now here, the captain's like, yeah, look, I mean, you don't have like... Well, that... that, Why does he not know this? What has he been doing? Well, the law is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but... He should... It's just a weird moment for it to come up this far in for him to be like... Yeah. What are you talking about? I needed a... Uh, like, you know, they're harassing me and all of that. You know all of this. Mm. You've been a cop for 40 years. Like a thousand Jordan, years. Jordan, day in, face. day out, you're eating these potassium-laden <laughs> hot dogs. Your ability to record uh, short-term memories is very... Uh, it's yeah. just, who let this guy be an inspector? He doesn't <laughs> know the law. The captain shouldn't be like... Give the it chief. to me straight. Yeah, the chief shouldn't be like, give it to me straight. He should be like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What What are you... Are you on LSD? Tell me if you're on LSD. Because you know <laughs> all of the things that you did were wrong in every way and you know this. And he's like, do you want my badge? Yes. You're not an inspector. You're just a guy with a gun who's saying he's an inspector. Speaking of the badges, about? Jordan, Trent, don't you love how they're all displayed there on the wall? Mm. Yeah. I, I think the line where he says, you want my star? I think in the script, Harry was probably supposed to gesture towards the, towards the stars, but he sort of forgets to do that. Here. I like to think that he's like, yes, give me the star. I'll add it to my collection. And there's just a whole bunch <laughs> of other people that don't know the law. <laughs> that uh, collection of badges reminds me of my grandmother's uh, collection of spoons she had on the wall. Oh, yeah, those, uh, from, <laughs> from all over the world kind of thing. My grandma used to collect matches when ho- hotels used to give out those paper yeah. fold matches. I've got this vivid memory now of um, Trent getting in trouble and being like, do you want my spoon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Back in your heroin days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the lighter and all that stuff. Back when you went to law school for 400 years and then immediately you've got how all the laws worked. Yeah. Yeah, classic. <laughs> classic Dirty Harry. <laughs> now we know why they call him Dirty Harry. <laughs> We've mentioned in past minutes the chief here is played deliciously by John Larch who's famous to me and to many for being in It's a Good Life, the Twilight Zone episode where the kid has the superpowers. Can uh, 30 do it. years before I was born. Oh, yep. okay. You may know it from the Simpsons piss take where Bart has powers to, with his mind to okay. change. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, every time I see this, um, like- see Harry as young Anthony Fremont going, 
And Larch just going, no, it's a good thing you did, Harry. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing you did, Harry. Lar- largely known to me as being one of the few actors whose neck is somehow too big for both his suit and his head. Yeah. <laughs> his neck is escaping from that button shirt. He's actually Incredible. A, a lot older than uh, I thought he was. He's- Could he be Harry's dad? In your uh, heart of hearts, Jordan. Plot twist. 16 years older than Eastwood. Uh-huh. So, so maybe, but it doesn't mean shit. I but mean, people went through men, um, <laughs> people went through uh, what's it called? Adolescence when they were ten back then, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Clint Eastwood was born at forty years old. <laughs> he came out at forty. Um, Jordan, you may not have heard our theory that this chief is in fact a ghost because we, we see him <laughs> yeah. a lot of time delivering these soliloquies, and <laughs> Harry's the only one that sees him. <laughs> Amazing. So it's like it's the field of dreams. <laughs> exactly. I mean, arguably, Harry could just be an inmate at, like, some sort of psych ward, just staring at a wall, being like, I'm a cop, I'm a cop, I'm a cop. There's no way to know that he isn't. But um, that'd be great. Just M. Night Shyamalan it. <laughs> just be like, just at the end, I see dead people. <laughs> I think we also miss Tim, uh, one of our co-hosts. He does Dirty Harry Fashion Minute, Jordan. Okay. And Harry's got a lovely suit on now. We haven't seen it up until this point, have we, Trent? Let's have a look. My favourite, my favourite Dirty Harry look is the red sweater vest that oh, he has yes. at the beginning. He's yeah. got the elbow pads and then the red sweater vest, and it's so great. The colouring of that scene is beautiful at the beginning. That is a nice suit. That's a good tie with it. It's a good suit. It is a damn good It's one suit. of the few suits in the Dirty Harry trilogy that hold up as being yeah, something you can yeah. wear today, whereas the rest of them, they're all these ties, and you're like, oh, brown and cream? No. <laughs> So, I'm just, I, have we talked much about John Larch at all? We've mentioned, you know, oh, what? No Leslie Nielsen are available? <laughs> How he's in so many, he's in three classic Twilight Zone episodes. and Because, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, just having a really rough look here, it's hard to determine what he's best known for. I mean, I don't know how... Presumably he did this and then went on to do five more shows where he just wears this and talks down to other people in movies. And you look at his credits... The typecast is just general chief man. It's not too dissimilar to that, actually, to to be honest with you. In Uh, Clintland, of course, he played another police officer in Play Misty for mm. me. Clint's directorial debut that came out. Play Misty for me. Great movie. Wonderful. Love that film. John Larch. John Larch. So he was in his mid-50s here. He... And he remained remained in his 50s forever. (laughs) And you, you look... If we go to 1971, look at his career beyond there... Oh look, he was a character called Warner in the year bef- in a film. The Warner year or Water? Warner. Warner. That uh, play Misty for me, Sergeant McCallum, yeah. uh, the Partners, which was a, a TV show that same year. Sheriff Fender. He's one of those characters that are either going to be like a chief, a sheriff, or a warden, and that's it. Yeah. Um, he gets we- murdered in Play Misty for me, so that's why we thought, ah, he's definitely a ghost chief here. Do you think Harry's cool? Do you like Eastwood's performance? Absolutely. Yeah. I like. I love. All of his things, but at the same time, he's one of those actors that have clearly got away with being the same character in every yeah. film. It's sort of one of those things like he's just, it's cool, but that's all he will ever be now. <laughs> like once he nailed it as like, yeah. I think he was in um, Rawhide. Yeah. He's starting Rawhide. And then from there he did Blondie. And once he nailed Blondie, the character in those spaghetti, like a fistful of dollars and a few dollars more and all of those, they went cool. And then his agent went, all right. There's about a thousand more Westerns that would like to use you. Yeah. And he gets on set and he goes to the director. He's like, so what character am I playing? And they're like, just do Blondie. 
And then he did that forever and then he did his own movie and he was like, got to give the people what they want. Didn't Sergio Leone so cl- say, Sergio Leone said Clint has two acting positions, hat on and hat, hat on. on and hat off, yeah. Cigar in, <laughs> cigar out. You know what? If I'm honest, you know, did I, five shots or six in all yeah, this yeah. excitement? I mean, that could, that, that sort of line could be in one of the spaghetti westerns. Absolutely. And yeah. I actually think I prefer the, my mule don't like people laughing. I reckon that's superior to the- that's, uh, Yeah, it's sort of like even the writing a lot of this- as iconic as this movie is, I think if you were to review it coming off the bat of his other films, you would think that this is them remaking those other films mm. and just being like, how about we do another Western, but we'll give it in the modern day. Yeah. And then you can read into that a lot more. But I think the original script idea was just, let's make another one of these, but we'll put it in the modern day and see how people <laughs> react to it. And it just went on to become this phenomenon. But before that, they were like, yeah, sure, we'll make another one of these. We'll do another spaghetti Western, but set it in... Set in America because then we don't have to travel overseas. Trent, do you think the chief believes Harry? Yeah, he I does? do. I think yeah. I is yeah. the way he looks at him, the way he uses his words. I don't know if you've ever been in a workplace where you've been witness or privy to something, mm. and um, you know your boss or supervisor is accountable to someone else and is yeah. questioning you about it. Because they, they're the ones that, you know, like this guy, yeah. the head's my, on the block. That's my life at the moment. I work at a primary school. Yeah. So, anytime there's any... So, like, every day you see young sociopaths in the making. Exactly. <laughs> kids. There's, there's legitimate times where you see a kid and, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a teaching aide. So, my job is to go on and help them. And sometimes you walk out and you're like, he'll be in jail. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, be on, he'll be on TV. But, um, <laughs> no, because so every now and then, like, you know, there's a kid who's like, I'm telling on you because they don't like that you're trying to get them to do math or something and they go home. You don't know what story they're going to spend to their parents. Then you have to go up to the principal or the vice principal, like, just letting you know this happened today. Here's what happened. Here's what I dealt with it. And if you've got that rapport, which you need, like, it's, it's a system based on trust. Um, so you tell them and they're like, okay, cool. Now I know exactly what's happened. If the parents decide to call up and ask about it, I know. I know what you've told me. So... Yeah, one hundred percent. This is a, this is a moment that I can relate to, just yeah. in terms of having to explain to authority what happened, so that they can then defend themselves and have your back a bit. Exactly. That, you know, he's obviously worked with him a long time. He trusts him. Yeah. I think they've got. Um, he's not longingly looking when Harry leaves. Like, you're my son, Harry. No, no. but I, I reckon they both come at the root of it from a, the same social perspective all right I, I think they both have you know a lot of the same values at, at the root of Potrero Hill values maybe I'd say the difference is, is Harry has because of his position in comparison to the chief the chief doesn't have the luxury of acting on impulse yes the chief is probably like yeah I'd also kick the shit out of this guy yeah but we're lawmen we're not allowed to do that you should know you'd like you're not allowed to so he probably understands. He's like, "Look, I get why you did it. I would have done the same thing if I didn't have a job." Yeah, but I have a job, and so do you. Um, that all being said, relating back to how I said that Harry doesn't know the law, it'd be as if I hit a kid, and the principal was like, "You're not allowed to hit kids," and I was like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you should know." Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of is. All right. He looks like as much as he doesn't look longingly. There's got to be a part of the chief just being like, "Are you an idiot?" Yeah, like, are you? It's like. Are you dyslexic? And so none of it just got through when you read all the laws that people have? <laughs> Trent. Yes. You revealed to listeners a few episodes ago that you probably haven't seen the movie in its entirety for like a decade or so. Oh, I watched it in its entirety ah, last week. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. But I hadn't, I hadn't watched it in, uh, yeah, nearly 20 years wow. in its entirety. Did you find the last third <laughs> a bit of a drag? 
like, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I mean- I'm reluctant to give voice to that opinion, even tentatively, but watching it over and over as I have, Jordan, after the every penny's worth scene, it sort of drags for me a bit until the end. I think because you know it's going to end, you realize that from here on out, you guess the ending. Mm. Like, you know, this movie isn't like back then they weren't like, it's just not the type of film to leave you with one of those ambiguous endings of like, and then the killer got away roll credits. Yeah. You know that the killer's going to get his come up and saying, you know, that there's only 20 or so minutes left when you watch it because you can feel time go past. So at this point, you know, it's not going to end with Harry goes to jail and the killer goes free roll credits. You know that the rest of it is going to be, sort of just a general hunt and yeah. shoot kind of film. And as a result, yeah, <laughs> you don't have that ambiguity for the rest of the film. From here on out, it's a pretty straight shooter Western of just him being like, all right, well, I'll do what I did before, but this time I'll do it and throw my badge away. From what we've read about the the origin of the script that went through four or five versions, it all comes back to it was the la- this last third of the movie that was the most revised and yeah. written and everything. And I can sort of see how they probably came up with a compromise that was the best of all worst versions. Um, but yeah, as I watch it more and more, Trent, it starts to drag a little bit. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, in yeah. the rate that you guys are dissecting this film, you're gonna, like, there's gonna be some things that seem less fulfilling than others because, yeah. like, this happens quite a lot. If you look into a film a lot, you're gonna see things that weren't necessarily intended and therefore aren't necessarily there. And then you're not gonna get a payout of that extra story you've drawn in your brain. So, for instance, yeah. you talked about the fact that Maybe the chief is a ghost or maybe the chief is his father. <laughs> and if you want to, like, if you, if you honestly wanted to seriously dissect that for this scene, you could. You could write an essay about it forever. But then you're not going to get a payout of that ever again. And then you're going to feel unfulfilled with it. It's true. So, the problem with true. looking too deep into a film is you're going to find things that aren't there and then you're not going to get a payout. Yeah. Um, and that happens a lot when we review movies is, like, I get accused of looking too heavily at films that aren't meant to be looked that heavily at. Like, uh, this week we're reviewing Aladdin. Aladdin. The Will Smith new one. Yeah, the, the Will, hey, it's Aladdin, but there are people instead of animations. Good on them. What a brilliant idea. I'm sure it took them forever to come up with it. But it's <laughs> one of those things where it's like, look, for the demographic, which are probably seven-year-olds, it's probably a great movie. But I'm a 25-year-old who went to watch the movie and wanted to review it. And as a result, it's fucking horrible. Well, yeah. I mean, this scene is just another scene of Harry being, you know, called to account. Like... In the movie, we think, oh, Harry's a hero. Now, not his heroism, but his actual competency is being challenged by someone. In this case, someone who's actually maybe more of his friend than the man. So it should be. (laughs) Yes, probably. Have you seen Sully? Sully? You know, the one where Colin Uh, Hanks lines a plane? Tom Tom Hanks lines a plane in in an ocean. Colin's dad, God. (laughs) Tom Hanks lands a plane in a river. Um, And then there's all that question. I haven't seen it, but I... I understand, like, I, I know the premise of the film. Yeah. Later on, he's called to say, you know, like, you know, you should have returned to LaGuardia Airport. Yeah. You could have made it. And then here's, you should have got a warrant. And um, and as the Aaron Eckhart says, you know, you can accomplish anything if you're in a hurry. Yeah. But here, a girl's life was on the line. and yeah. It's one of those things where I think the point that this movie makes well, and a lot of movies have since made that point, is common sense should come first. Mm-hmm. The problem with common sense is it's not that common. (laughs) Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, clearly Dirty Harry should have done, like, maybe not tortured the guy, but at the same time, they're like, oh, there's a woman who's maybe dying, 
better go back, do the paperwork, get a warrant, maybe come back on Tuesday. Like, <laughs> it's the common sense part. The chief should be like, look, you were right, but now we should sit down and figure out how we're going to explain this. Um, and I think there's a scene later. Is it, is it not this scene? There's a scene where there's a, um, a judge in the room. That's yes, earlier. yeah, yeah, that was earlier, yeah. Earlier, and the, and they talk about the gun that he has, and the judge is like, look, it's not admissible in court. And Harry's like, well, it should be. The, Too bad. There's There should be a moment where at least the judge goes, okay, look, you're right, but I'm still a judge. Yeah. Like, yeah. just that acknowledgement that, look, I get yeah, it. Yeah, you're yeah. not a bit, like, you did what any one of us would have done, but well, you still have to handle the legal system. I suppose he did literally in the words, I'm sorry. You should have got a warrant. That was all it was going to be. But that was like like sarcasm. Trent, before I sorry to interrupt you, do you think Harry's taken on board the Chief's talk to him here and do you think he will from now not follow Scorpio once he, you know, maybe gets out in hospital or do you reckon he's going to ignore what the... Well, what's he say to him exactly? Yep. I forgot. Have you been following that man? He just says he doesn't want any advice. Like, he doesn't want any- On my own time. He doesn't want any surveillance either. I love that on his own time should be a- Like, he thinks it's a defense. Have you been following him? On my own time. Oh, on your own time. You're not a cop. On your own time, you're not a cop. You don't have to adhere to those rules. Oh, and a flashback to previous minutes. We also have- (laughs) We also have- um, previous minutes talked about the S&M theory of this movie where he looks too good, that's why. (laughs) That, uh, yeah. Um, so his sign off is good night, sir. Um, he looks too good. Dirty Harry would have also gone for the mouth and the other eye. <laughs> <laughs> he would have really finished the job of all facial features. What I mean is, can Harry leave this room thinking I didn't actually say to the chief I wouldn't stop this? I reckon he can. Do you think the chief believes that Harry's like, well, he really took that heart to heart on board? I'm sure he's a changed man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, something has changed in him today. <laughs> you seen Cobra Trent? Coat what with Stallone? The line is, "This is where the law stops and I start, sucker." <laughs> the um, going back to Sully for a minute. Uh, Sully. Yep. Does, does anyone die? Were there any fatalities on that flight? No. One of the passengers is scared, and when the wings on the water, she decides to jump off and row toward. No, that's it. That's but it. No one dies. No one dies. No. To to me, that sounds like the most boring fucking movie. I'm sorry, but what? That sounds like a good Wikipedia article to read <laughs> while you're trying to go to bed about that incident. It's a good news story to read about. Look, yeah. There's a lot of things that shouldn't have movies now. I mean, the Boston bombings. There was the the running the Boston running I think it was and they did a Mark Wahlberg movie. How would you dramatize? And it's, and it's Why Mark would you? Wahlberg and he's a cop and I'm like, look, it was horrible. No one's no one's unsure of that. It was a horrific thing that happened, but for a story, quite boring. It, some people same. went for a run, then there was an explosion. You don't need to put a character in that and be like, he's a superhero cop, and then there's an explosion. I said the same thing to Trent a few weeks ago. I said, you really want to do a movie about the emu wars of oh, the 30s? Yes, <laughs> I do. I want to make a film about the Great Emu War. You've heard about this, Jordan? No. no. It's close to the Alpacalypse, Lamageddon. What's that? Is that a real thing? No, but it should oh, be. damn it. I mean, it, I'm getting hold excited. On. It will be. So, <laughs> it's like the judgment day of our world. It's just be the, the Lamageddon. So the Great Emu War was in Western Australia in about 1932. And it was a bunch of, um, in rural regions, yeah. a bunch of farmers were pissed off at the, uh, all the emus, in, in the wild emus sort of terrorising their stock and you know, eating their crops and, and whatever. Bloody emus. And they, they're super organised. And they put this thing out to the government to, uh, you know, assist them with this cull. So, anyway, the military became involved because it was hard to get them. What? And... What do 
reckon it's hard to get them. It's hard to shoot. They're, big, they're the biggest bird on the planet. They yeah. scatter. They're, they're, they're antisocial. Scatter. They don't really huddle together. They all go their separate yeah, ways, yeah. apparently, when they're shot at. They just sleep. <laughs> we, have, we have a sport in the world that's specific to shooting birds whilst flying. Yeah. And these are big birds that can't fly. Who's having trouble with that? They're, they're aggra- and they had machine guns and things like that on them. And oh, they, we lost. They gave up on the war. Like, the we government lost, lost to the we emus. Lost the war on emus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, make that a movie and put Mark Wahlberg in it. And then halfway through it, just have a plane land on them. (laughs) (laughs) And have Tom Hanks get out and be like, look, I had to do my best. I saw the emu farm. (laughs) This is my pitch to Screen Australia. And um, it's South Australian Film Corporation, if you're listening. I mean, out of anyone, I want you guys to be involved. We know you're listening. Because, you know... Let's take you back to the Halcyon days. But listen to this post poster for the film. Before the US lost Vietnam, Australia lost the Great Emu War. <laughs> Very good. How's that? Very Is that good. a pitch? Please send courtesy. I want the sequel where, where, where there's two-headed emus or something like that. Like, I want the <laughs> yeah. sequel where let's go bigger and better for no reason. Put John Wick in it. Have only emu-based headshots. Yep. Clearing out a room full of emus. Oh, those you're eyes. right. There could be some incredible action sequences. Oh, the, just imagine those things kicking, and oh my god, you have to go CGI though, wouldn't you? you no. And that, that's yeah. that's what puts me off making the film. Clearly, that's that's preventing the film being made. My my, um, I'm sure, there's a Jurassic World like spin-off that we can do. That's just called Emu Park. Just welcome to Emu Park. A good chance to let Americans know that it's actually pronounced emu in Aboriginal languages, not emu. Emu. Cassowary. Cassowary. They're distant relatives, I think. And, and they're fucking terrifying. And they could kill you very easily with the big red head. Shall we move on now to the second part of this minute, which is the hospital scene? Oh, yeah. Living, oh. living lush. Some place online they've called it a convalescence home rather than a hospital. Do you think Chico is permanently Whoa. permanently injured by? Sh- I think he was pretty much shot in the. Like, lower what was part his of injury? Body. Can you he was shot can you in the lower part of the body at the Mount Davidson Cross? Um, I mean, this line doesn't he say I'm talking to the chief about you going permanent with me? Yeah. So unless he wants his partner to be nicknamed Wheel, so I'm assuming <laughs> he's probably going to have his legs again. Um, does he ever come back in the sequels? Does he ever, or is it no, a new partner? Yeah. He's mentioned in Magnum Force the sequel. He goes, "Don't worry," to his new partner. Don't worry, he didn't die. He's teaching. So, oh, I'm, I'd assume he's fine. He's probably having a great day. Just looking up to see online, just someone random telling us what his actual injuries are. He's shot in the lower part of the body by Scorpius machine gun. I guess he's got a mole on his left cheek. That could be cancer. You don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Mr. Bean. We're back to seeing Harry's brown jacket combo. Jordan. The horrible tight. Yeah, brown suit is probably the only thing. What that's do you do with the blue, the nice seat, suit in Chief's office? I love those sunnies, though. Very cool. Such a, like, I think cool. the brand is Gargoyle, I think we found out. Like the same one Schwarzenegger has in T2. T2. Really? I was thinking that, like, just a second ago, because I watched Terminator 2 a couple of days. I've been doing, like, this binge on 80s films. And I thought they looked very similar, at least. If Harry was shot, I'm sure he could just get away with some Mercurochrome. He's probably also made out of metal. Um, Chico's a nerd. He needs to be in a full-on hospital yeah. with his wife there. Is that a gasometer on the top left? Yes, it looks like like it. Where I thought this movie was going is at this point, someone in this hospital or his partner could have been shot by the Zodiac killer. 
Yeah. How cool would it be to cut to this? Because time has to have passed, right? Because from him being beaten up to then being filmed, live television wasn't, to my knowledge, that's something that got aired on a bulletin TV, right? So after he was filmed in the hospital, then that footage would have been edited, put on a new show. So at least a couple of days have passed since the conversation with the chief and Harry. Probably, yeah. And then since then, he's gone to visit his friend. I'm assuming he didn't walk out immediately of the chief's office and go straight here. So a couple of days could have passed. So I was waiting for him to be sitting here in the bed and then like, bam, and then his partner just be left dead. Yeah. That would have been a great little spin to take. Yeah. Right? Just add like an element of personal, like just personalize it even further. Because what I like is that the Zodiac ends up kind of taunting Harry. Mm. Turn that notch up to 11. Like just have them, like Batman and Joker, have them need each other for the rest of the film. Like he's only a hero with the Zodiac and the Zodiac is a villain now specifically just to agitate Harry. Like change the motivations entirely. I just thought it would have would, been really cool. I think, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, that it sort of gets slow. And it's just because you know, you know everything now. You know where it's going. You know that the biggest consequence we were going to get is the chief being like, look, you probably should know the law. And Harry's like, yeah. okay, fine, I guess, but not really. And then he walks out and yeah. then the rest of the film happens exactly how it would if the past three scenes didn't happen, right? If you if you cut the movie um, on the football stadium where he's standing on his leg, if he shot him in the head then and threw his badge down, same movie. End credits. It's a 45-minute long film. Would have been the same as if you had the rest of this. Because it's still just... You have the beating and then the consequence. And then Harry ignores all of that. Yeah. And then shoots him in the head anyway. Like... The Harry I know, as soon as he got where the body was buried, would have, as yeah, Evelyn like, said, put a cap in his ass. You, th- you, th- you just... You think that... <laughs> There shouldn't be a movie written where if you take half hour out of the middle of the film, it'd be the same movie. Mm. It just shouldn't happen because that shows a lacking character progression, right? Mm. From, from a story from story writing aspect, if you can take out that scene where he's talking to Chief and cut straight to this, it'd be the same. Yeah. Harry's motivation doesn't change the way Harry acts hasn't changed. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Right? You could take out the fact that the Zodiac Killer gets beaten because he has like a mild black eye anyway. Yes. Which you could argue he got yeah. from Harry torturing him. So you could easily take out 15 minutes. I'm not sure exactly how long, but from, from the first time Harry tortures him on the football field and take all of it out and just cut it to him, like, you know, being released and then getting a school bus of kids and you've got the same movie because nothing actually changes for these characters. His motivation isn't different. He didn't yeah. learn anything. They showed consequences and then they showed that it didn't change him. Harry doesn't learn anything in this movie. No. The next time he's confronted with another Scorpio, he's just going to do the same thing. thing. That's the biggest, that's probably the biggest flaw with all of these films. Is it a flaw or is that just something that's so not a part of cinema script writing now that we find it hard to identify that? I, well, put it, I can only really talk from my own perspective, of course. But if you've got a character that runs over, how many movies? Four, five? five? Five. And he is the same at the beginning of that yeah. As he is at the end, then you've met, like, you've got zero character progression. Well, that's why two right. of the movies are just shit. It's shit, because <laughs> they, they force it. The, yeah. the, the progression feels it's really forced on him. The character yeah. is unwavering, and that's cool, but it's not strong enough to make it. It's just not relatable and it's not likable. Cool, mm. sad isn't enough. The Harry's mean- <laughs> cool, sad character. Relating back to other great films that came out slightly later than this from, from the 80s, again, like we were talking Robocop, Terminator. Both of those characters, actual robots, yeah. still have emotional character progression, right? The Terminator, the Terminator, like the greatest thing about Terminator 2 is the more of the machine that gets revealed, 
the more human he becomes. It's an incredible duality to put yeah. the Terminator 2. It's one and more chip. Even, and then to even build on that duality, the more the Terminator becomes human, the more Sarah Connor becomes the Terminator. Fucking great idea. Robocop starts as this really yeah. cold sort of, sort of cop who's just like, I'm a cool guy who spins my gun. And by the end of it, he's like, you know, he's had everything destroyed, including his actual body. And he's now more human than ever. Right. Cool. This film, you have a character who's like, I'm a guy and I have a gun. And if someone pisses me off, I'm going to shoot him in the face. And six movies later, he's, I'm a guy and I'm a slightly older guy, but I have a gun. And if you piss me off, I'll shoot you in the face. But I have a dog. That's not, that's not character regression. You haven't written anything new. You've just written a, like, every script for every movie after this could have just easily been the first movie of this trilogy. Yeah. The first movie of this quadrilogy, however many were made. You could start this movie anywhere. You could take the storyline from the Deadpool and make that the first movie and just have it with you. Yes, like, you could. Yeah. So you could rearrange any of these movies and apart from the continuity of him getting older, it yeah. wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. That's horrible. You shouldn't. <laughs> it's just really dumb. Like... Again, James I love, Bond, these, yeah. I love these, these films, but the, at least James Bond, people are aware that it's like yeah. James Bond is played by a different actor and it's sort of like, maybe it's a different, maybe 007 is a code name and not the, like, maybe there's been different 007s. Mm. This, it's just, he's a man and he refuses to change. And that's the point that this movie makes. And then the point that every other movie makes. I think there's just something to be said about if you make a movie and you're going to put violence in it, the violence needs to tell a story in itself that's what good violence does good violence should impact the people involved yeah so if you have a character who's a cop who's decided that he's gonna need to break some of the laws that he should know about just some of them then that should affect him we should have a scene that affects him long term that should be some that should be a constant of his character now you build on that character you 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 start with someone and then as the film goes on as things happen to him you should build on that character that was supposed to be the scene where Anne-Marie Deacon's taken out but of course Clint Clint can't act, so they just can't move his face. Yeah, unless it's his, unless it's specifically like his eyes, um, and he wears glasses. So, but it's just there should be character progression, and the fact that there isn't not only in this movie but in all of these films. And yet, I still love this movie, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's that's fine. Like, I love this movie, but from a technical standpoint, the writing in it, like. films today you can argue aren't made nearly as good as they used to be they didn't have that grit to them but a good film today at least is aware that there should be change in a character for us to be able to follow that story that character needs to evolve Um, even though in real life a lot of people don't change that much but that's not a story though like here's a a story a man went to a shop and he came back and he was the same when he left as when he got back great it's not interesting but the story about Curb your enthusiasm. He doesn't. He doesn't learn anything. <laughs> I think um, that, uh, using Captain America, a lot of people no. say that Captain America has no character progression from yeah. first film to like twenty-two films later. Um, and I've thoroughly defended that in a manner that I disagree. So I think in the first film, he's a character that wants to be a soldier and he wants to follow commands. And by the end of it, he's a character that wants to do good regardless of whether who's giving the commands is trying to do that or not. And that shows progression. And in this, he starts out as being someone that wants to do good regardless of commands. And in this, he ends as being someone that wants to do good regardless of commands. I just think we needed, I wanted more of an emotional journey. I wanted to see, like, as you said, when they bring the body out, to have a moment where he just goes home and punches a wall aggressively, or just to show that that affected him in the slightest, 
Mm. Would have been great. Any scene where he is affected by it would have been good. They rely on Lalo's score for that Harry's thing. Yeah. I, I think it works with everyone else. And that him builds the audience, but it doesn't build him. Yeah. yeah. No, good point. But then, then, but then you've got things like, um, and, and it is progress and whatever the opposite of that is. Sorry, like I said earlier, English <laughs> isn't in my language today. Devolution. <laughs> it is. Well, that's what the band was named after that word, devolution. Um, you've got like Han Solo starts off as, you know, uh, living by the skin of his seat of his yeah. pants kind of thing and a rogue and, yeah. you know, just sort of swindling whatever he can to sort of get by and yeah. he's always owing people things. And he was he become this heroic general and, you know, yeah. for the greater good. 30 years goes by, we're reintroduced to the character. We don't know what's happened. And he's the same. And like he admits it. As, what are you going to do? What I always do, talk my way out of it. If we can go back to Rooftop Minute. Yes. Now, yeah. Sorry, I derailed your whole podcast. We love tangents here. I just, one of my notes from a few months ago said, they tried with the tagline, go ahead, try them, but... Go ahead, make my days a lot better. What's, what's <laughs> Harry given? Oh, hang on, two things. Are there hot dogs in the box? Maybe. <laughs> Here's a thousand hot dogs. Well, he just says I got them from a, pla- a guy I know. Go to, you know, the best. So, so we've got a gasometer there. Do you know where this was shot? Did you go there? I did not go to this part. I think it's somewhere near um, the Presidio. I think, and I don't really. Where's know. Where's that? I don't know. I really don't know. To- Listeners, please write in and tell us where you think this is filmed. There's nothing online to indicate where it is, somewhere in San Francisco. It's just Clint Eastwood's house. It's just the roof of his house. He didn't want to leave. Looking down to Carmel County. Um, and then the next thing. Are there hot dogs in there? Are there hot dogs? So let, let's... I think I see at least 11 hot dogs. Is Harry more of a profiterole kind of? He's a, he's a croissant. That building in the background sort of looks like the centre of... Central Station. No, you know the the Center for Fine Arts. You know in um, The Rock, you know where he meets his daughter or something. Um, in that famous rock movie, The Rock, he's in a rock movie. <laughs> that 1910, that exhibition for the World Fair or whatever it's called, the Palace of Fine Arts down near Luca, wherever Lucasfilm is. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Chica looks happy with what he's in there. He looks delighted. We're still technically in the minute kind of sort of maybe. Um, now, we don't see it, do we? We don't see He doesn't pull it. Anything else? Now, do we think... Uh, I like to think it's just pictures of naked women. Yeah, it's like, no. I'm off a guy, no. Um, <laughs> do we think she's probably overheating in the San Francisco sun there? <laughs> the green. The green. Is that leather, pleather, plastic? It looks like a liquid. It looks like PVC. It does look like PVC. Very stylish. That box is gone. Next scene. Do you reckon they're married or just de facto? Hold on. Did I see a, uh, a movie edit floor here? There's a box in his hands on his lap. And then cut to him looking at the box even closer and then cut to the box just no longer being there. He's opened and closed it a few times. I think. Yeah. So there's some continuity areas. He's holding the box. He's holding the box. Speaking no box. Jordan, speaking of IMDb corrections, here's, yes. a, here's a, a, a post from ye old times. Famously known for being horrible at reading out the IMDb in our podcast. Yep. Harry wouldn't want to share how his day was with the girlfriend. The gruesome murders, the kidnappings, robberies. Who would want to listen to all of that? I don't think that Harry would give a fuck about any of that. I don't think Harry would have that. His wife? Would, Harry, would a wife of Harry be like, Harry, you're always talking about this Scorpio. I don't care. Let's watch the Dick Van Dyke show. I can't imagine Harry having a wife that 
couldn't listen to him talking about that because he strikes me as a character that doesn't talk about anything else. I can't imagine him being like, so what did you, what did you see on TV yesterday? Like, I can't imagine him having small talk. Every, I, You know what? He'd probably be the most morbid person in the world because people are like, oh, I had such a good day, sweetie. How was your day? Well, I tortured a man and then we found a dead girl and... Uh, <laughs> Then I beat up another man, and then I was accused of almost murdering someone, and then the chief told me that I, uh, I don't know the law, and then I went and visited my partner who, Did uh, he help you, shot. Harry, or did he shout at you? Every day, it's just like, so what did you do today? Well, I went to get a hot dog, which is my normal day, and then there was a bank robbery, and so I shot about 400 people. And it's just that, and every day, it's just, what did you do today? Well, today I killed a guy, and... Then I crashed my car through a glass window and then Boring. stabbed a man in the face. Like As comedian Dana Gould would say, that those conversations are the, the leading cause of vaginal dryness. I'm divorcing you, Harry. Like, imagine having, like, you know, that, uh, that water cooler talk, just around the water cooler. It's like, so, did you catch Game of Thrones? You mean, like, my life? Game of Thrones? <laughs> I don't watch that shit because my life is Game of Thrones. Anyone could die but me. Like, it's just every day, it's just him murdering someone. That's what's insane, is I can't imagine him being a good cop on any day of the week. I can't imagine him just pulling someone over and be like, look, I'm speed limit 60 and you were doing 65. I'm real sorry, mate, but I'm going to let you off with a warning. <laughs> also, bang, shoot him, dead. Like, I can't imagine him just being a good, just a good, genuine cop that people like, having a normal day. He's not a believable character outside of these circumstances. Yeah. I think the one believable interaction I recall him having is with... His doctor. He does he go to a, he goes to a doctor at some point, yeah, yeah. and they're like, you know, I'm gonna have to cut these pants, and he's like, don't cut them off, just take them off. I don't want thirty dollar pair of pants or something. I'm like, okay, cool. And then my brain just went, oh, he's Red Foreman from the '70s show. Like he's just like that grumpy prick. Like <laughs> the bit with Alice in the park. Do it at home. Like he's kind. Of, I mean, he's just a mean bloke that no one would ever like, and I can't imagine him having any life outside of horrid violence. Just like imagine a slow day for that guy. Yeah. What did he do? Reruns of MASH. Like, I'm not sure what he does for fun. Do we do we learn in the later films? I mean, he, he, uh, I'm not going to go there, actually. But the, besides, you know, his partner and Magnum his girlfriend Force. in Magnum Falls. We don't learn a lot. Does he have a hobby? We know at least he likes a dog. He has a dog. Has or it, a dog. Well, it's, it's given to him. Isn't it? I've trained my dog to kill people. There's a scene in the Deadpool where he's working out in the gym and he's sort of yeah. oogling. Maybe he hits the gym and oogles the girls there. I don't know. He's a bit of a peeping Tom. But do you get, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. can't imagine him doing anything other than extreme violence. He's a hunter. Yeah, he's, he's a hunter. Does. But that's insane to me. Like, nobody should ever be surprised about anything he does, because everything he does would have to be crazy. Yeah. Like, I imagine every other week he's in, like, the chief's office and the chief's like, well, you killed someone else, man. Stop. <laughs> Stop killing people. Do you want my badge? Stop threatening your badge. <laughs> Just don't kill people. It's not an ultimatum. It's. <laughs> what lessons do you think Harry takes? Do you reckon Harry's seen a Clockwork Orange? And do you reckon he reckons you can, like, um, condition a, a human to get rid of his... I'd like to try that on some of my criminals. Mm. <laughs> I don't, th I don't think Harry learns anything in this movie. I think, if anything, what he learned was to be more forceful. Because what he does is he takes his time, he follows the law for maybe the first half of the film, and as a result, a girl gets killed. So, if anything, he walked... At the end of this... I'm jumping ahead. Does he throw his badge in the water or something like that? That belongs to another minute. <laughs> so, well, I guess leading up to now, I don't think he's learned anything except maybe I should have been more violent. If I'd shot him in the head on the football field, we wouldn't be in this predicament. Maybe. As far as, I've, as far as I can tell, he learned to be more violent. 
Well, Jordan, many thanks for joining us for these minutes. No worries. Sorry for completely derailing it. <laughs> Trashed the film as much as I could in the last minute. You've been one of our most erudite reviewers talking about themes and stuff that we've only we've been afraid to tackle. So it's great. That's good. Leaving, leaving right at this minute, what do you think Chico's going to say to his offer about coming on permanent? Do you think Chico looks... Looks favourable. I think it's one of those things, because I remember him at the beginning being like, don't underestimate me. I know that your other partner like suffered some injuries, but I'm tougher. And then yeah. he immediately got shot and he's probably like, maybe I won't be with Dirty <laughs> Harry. Maybe that's, maybe I was a bit too, bit too, like I thought they were exaggerating, but I was immediately stabbed. Um, was he, he was shot. Wasn't he was shot, shot, yeah, yeah, so, on the rooftop. Oh, also, I can't imagine his girlfriend being like, yeah, you should go back to work. You shouldn't take any sick, go back to work. Go work with Dirty Harry. I think... It should immediately... Also, again, this guy sort of comes across as being a bit more of a straight and narrow cop. Yep. Yeah. Imagine, how did he not immediately be like, you're a shithouse cop. Like, you you have not followed any of the laws that I've learned that we have... Do we not have to follow these laws? I think, if anything, he's going to go off and... Don't, Harry, don't you have a sociology degree? <laughs> like, this guy's just going to go away and be a vigilante now. Because he's like, I don't know, I, I worked with my mentor and my mentor completely disregarded all laws. And he's still a hero, I guess. So... We're all throwing our badges away. We're all. <laughs> Have any of you ever worked under anyone in any sort of business or you know industry where the person you've been placed with to sort of work under is a bit of a rogue? Uh, so not to get too personal, but I worked in a before and after school care centre. Mm-hmm. Not going to name it clearly. Um, one of the bigger ones in Victoria, and I worked for this sweet little old lady who was really sweet for the first like four minutes of introducing herself, and then you start working for her. She turned out to be the most racist, like bigoted, mm. sexist. Like it was insane to me. She hated them all. She like <laughs> it was literally like you feel free to cut this out. I don't know, but it was literally there was a point where there was um like a a kid of ethnicity, and he went he was meant to come down to before and after school care, and he didn't, and I was meant to go look for him. And that usually means that you go to, like, you know, get the form, find the picture of him, get his name, go into the school, like, you know, ask the teachers. And she was like, oh, you know what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What did you do with rogues, Trent? Well, uh, mine was a bit different in that the person I worked under uh, was obsessed with the greater good. Oh, yeah. And, and doing the, the greater right good. by, you know, the, the people that needed to be done. I'm not going to sort of go into too much detail, but... Um, Almost to the point where he was so adamant on it, it went against those who made the rules. Yeah, uh, it was it was almost a complete contradiction. And and yeah, he, he I had to work under him. Well, not we. It just sort of ended up that way, and it became a case of you know I had to make it very clear that I wasn't yeah. following the same thing. I was the Chico straight guy to this <laughs> dude's sort of yeah. um, you know off-the-cuff antics of, you know... Yeah. And, and he was effective, don't get me wrong. It was great. and um, But, you know, he was always... There's a lot of that on, on in teaching as well. In that the politics behind teaching has become more and more intense. My parents were both teachers forever, and now I sort of work in a school. But the politics behind teaching are getting more and more insane in terms of the things you have to do to prepare for a class, the things you have to do during teaching a class. It actually gets in the way of being an effective teacher um, in a lot of ways. Would any of your kids visit you in hospital? Any of my kids, maybe, maybe just to poke me in the eye. Um, <laughs> no, I've got, a, I've got a decent rapport with all of them. They probably, they probably would. But uh, is Harry a good teacher? No, no. He's a horrible no, teacher. No, no. no, but that's the point. Like Chico is like, oh, I'll be his partner. See how, like, you know, how can they call you Dirty Harry? Because I'm a shit cop. Oh, jeez. Oh, you really are. Wow, wow. It, Harry doesn't want to teach. He, I mean, he just wants to get the fucking job done in this. And I mean, the dude. 
I, how long ago did his wife die? Do we know? No, just no, some time ago. I mean, he comes across as someone who's day to day, you know, existence is, you know, it's pretty miserable, you'd yeah. imagine. Um, mental health discussion and you know, things like suicide uh, prevention weren't option like I'm not yeah, yeah I'll go a bit overboard here but I mean they I can't were, imagine him calling like you know beyond blue nah. or, or you know <laughs> doing the, the easy way out um, yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't an option in, in, in a guy like that's yeah. mind yeah. to take their own life but you know I mean now that character probably would maybe yeah you know he'd probably just beat himself half to an inch of his life and then be fine I guess mm. um, well Jordan many thanks for joining us for these episodes uh, it's been fantastic you don't have guests on Slice Podcast, do you? Um, we've, we, we've had one or two on. We, we generally don't because we because we review the movies that come out per week. We see a movie on a Thursday and we review it that weekend. There's not usually a lot of time for other people to catch up on the film and then gather their thoughts. What happens if Dirty Harry plays at the Astor? Does that qualify for your podcast that <laughs> yeah, you might watch it and review it? It would come down to what else is coming out that week. We try to pick the most commercially... Um, sort of renowned film so if there's like you know quite often we review a movie that none of us would see if we didn't have to review it mm. uh like aladdin for example i could i would not want to watch aladdin it didn't it looked like it'd be great for a seven-year-old but not for me but we had to review it so i saw it but in order for someone else to come on we're recording the podcast tomorrow yes yeah. yeah. two days after it was released for us to get someone to come on they'd also have to be willing to go out and see that movie and then come visit us and then do that podcast. We're always happy to have people on. I'll, I'll invite both of you. <laughs> if you want to do a movie, uh, we've got someone lined up to do Star Wars because they're like, we'd love to be on the podcast, but I don't want to see a movie that I don't want to see. Yeah. So they're going to, they're going to like, we're waiting for Star Wars, which I'm sure will be great. And they're going to watch that and then come and talk about have how bad seen, it is. So have you seen Aladdin or are you going to see it tonight? I saw it last night. Yeah. Are there any parallels with Dirty Harry? Yeah, absolutely. I think racial stereotypes. There's a thousand racial stereotypes. It's incredible. Uh, I think there's a main main line to be drawn, which is like Aladdin in this film. The characters are idiots because no, everybody seems to forget how the world works from yeah. minute to minute. <laughs> well, many thanks for joining us. Um, really where can people find the Slice Podcast? iTunes. Uh, so yeah, we're on iTunes, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify. Facebook. We're on everything. We're on everything but Spotify. Because we couldn't figure out how to get on Spotify. <laughs> we're on everything. Everywhere you know how to get your podcast except for Spotify, we're on We're on that. So come over, have a listen, and when you decide it's no good, listen to the rest of it and then listen to the rest of them. Um, we do one every week, uh, and they're always as good or bad as each other. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. We have a lot of fun with it. Thank you very much, Trent. You Thank join you. join me next time, maybe? I will be there. I should be there. Hopefully we convince uh, Tim to come. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll hopefully have, uh, you know, the first addition to the Dirty Harry Minute family yeah. on board somehow. <laughs> I don't know what she'll do, but uh, yes. All right, many thanks. We'll catch you next time, listeners, on Dirty, Dirty Harry, Harry Minute. Minute. Minute.